Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Now, before I read our Bible passage today, I want to tell you about something that just happened just a couple weeks ago to confirm my message today. And, uh, and I'm already preaching now. Amen. If you're watching online, God bless you. Thanks for being here with us today. Now, I don't know about you, but in case you haven't noticed, God has been blessing our church. Amen. We've been the recipients of such beautiful moves of the Holy Spirit in our services, in our prayer meetings, in our life groups. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful. Amen. So thankful for what God is doing. Hundreds of people attend our two two Sunday services each week, our Spanish service on Sunday afternoon. Many others watch online, either live or at some point during the week. Lives are being changed, and we give God glory for that. Amen. Robin and I lead a couple of small groups, and one of our groups is a married couple's life group that meets on Monday nights, and when we kicked off our summer semester four weeks ago, and by the way, if you're not a part of a life group, summer semester is real short, it'll be ending soon, but we're going to be starting some brand new groups in September, make sure you sign on and get a, be a, a part of that, but when we kicked off our group four weeks ago, on the first night at the end of our group, Many of the couples, most of them uh, new to our church uh, in the last couple of years, they began to talk about uh, what they loved about Life Church and what has kept them coming back. Now, I'm not going to lie, that is music to a pastor's ears, right? I mean, that, uh, yeah, I'm just drinking those things in in that moment. It was encouraging to hear the wonderful testimonials and to uh, hear the great things that people not only loved about the church, but the great things that God was doing in the lives of so many people, amen? And uh, for quite some time, we've been feeling just a strong sense of unity uh, and excitement in the church. Believe it or not, it really kind of started in the middle of COVID. We just kind of felt this fresh renewal of, of unity in the, in the uh, body of Christ. And our group that night was a confirmation um, for... Uh, when we woke up the next morning after our first group, Robin asked me, and by the way, we're not weirdos. Can I just tell you that right now? We're not weirdos. If you don't know us, we're not weirdos. Uh, but the first thing Robin asked me when we woke up on that morning was, she said, could you smell the oil in our bedroom last night? And I, I, I had cooked chicken on the grill the night before. <laughs> for real, and I thought, you know, because we had a cookout our first night, and I thought, well, maybe, I mean, and I use olive oil, I thought, maybe I forgot to wash my hands, maybe, I don't know, maybe, so, I don't know, I was like, so I just said, no, I couldn't smell it, and she said she was awakened in the middle of the night by a super strong smell of olive oil in our bedroom. She said it was so strong that she literally sat up in the bed she looked on her hands, she looked on her arms, she looked on the bed to see if someone had literally poured oil on her. 
And she said immediately after she looked around and she didn't see any oil, she said the Spirit of the Lord spoke something to her. And he spoke this verse. And this is my text today. Psalm 133, verse 1. And it says this. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. And then look at this part of the verse. It says, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And then she said, the Lord spoke to her and said, the blessing of the Lord is flowing in your home yes, and in the church because we are united as the body of Christ. Come on, hallelujah. Now, I don't know about you, but that excited me. I mean, not only did he speak a scripture, but man, he sent the smell of the oil. I just wish I would wake up and have moments like that. Anybody, anybody, there's somebody, the other person is the one who's always having those moments, right? Yeah, that, that's in our house too, amen. I could tell you some funny stories about that. But the oil of anointing. And the scripture said that the Lord commanded his blessing to be where God's people are in unity. I want you to notice verse 3. From the NIV it says he bestows his blessing. From the New Living Translation it says he pronounced his blessing. From the New Century Version it says the Lord gives his blessing. In the King James, it says the Lord commanded his blessing. Unity is what bestows the blessing, pronounces the blessing, gives the blessing, commands the blessing. So I want to talk to you today on this subject, the place of blessing. How many of you want to be in a place of blessing in your life? Amen. How many of you want to receive everything that God has for you in your life? Come on, everybody ought to say amen to that, right? In Acts chapter 2, the New Testament church was born. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, we find it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Thank you, Lord. Now, I'm not going to talk about the day of Pentecost or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but I do want to say this before I go on. Two significant points about the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit outpouring that day. Number one, they did not have the upper room experience and the explosion of growth that the early church had in Acts 2 without the impartation of powerful prayer that was found in Acts chapter 1. Come on, if you want to have God's blessing and God's power and operation in your life, you need to create and cultivate an environment of prayer. Can you say amen? But secondly, you cannot have the power of God moving freely within us and among us and in the body without being united in one accord. Come on, that's what the Bible says, amen? The phrase one accord comes from the Greek word homothumadon, which means the same mind or spirit. Oneness of mind and heart. 
Homos means same. Thumos means spirit and mind. So they were literally of the same spirit. They were of the same mindset. Those believers, all 120 of them, were of the same mind, same spirit, shared focus. They were there, and read Acts chapter 1. They were there seeking after the promise of the Father, which now we recognize was the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was poured out upon them in Acts chapter 2. One accord. It's referenced 11 times in Scripture, 10 times in the book of Acts, one time in the book of Romans. One accord in prayer, Acts 1 and Acts 4. One accord in one place, Acts chapter 2. One accord in daily worship and the Lord's Supper, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 5. One accord in obedience, Acts 8. One accord in a church business meeting. Man, that's how you know Jesus is there if you have one accord in a business meeting. That was Acts chapter 15. Amen. One accord is needed in order to glorify God, Romans chapter 15. The phrase one accord is also used to refer to the unity of unbelievers and the enemies of the gospel, Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 19. Unity, hear me, it is a powerful force for good and evil. Amen. Go back to uh, the scripture and look when they built the Tower of Babel. The Bible says they were all of one mindset, and it said that nothing could stop them because of the unity that they had, the unity of purpose. After many years as a believer and many years serving as a pastor, let me just tell you something. I can assure you that I have seen it all in church. Can all the church folks say amen? amen? Come on, I've seen seasons of plenty. I've seen seasons of one. I've seen seasons where it seemed like the sun was always shining, seasons where it seemed like every day was rain and clouds. I thank God for a great church family that he has given us here at Life Church. Amen. Come on, we're a unique, special body of believers with his hand upon us. Amen. We're not perfect. Of course we're not. But we are blessed and we are favored. And in the life of the church, I've seen a lot of great things happen. I've seen many people saved. I've seen people healed. I've seen people delivered. Amen. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen people throw down their crutches. I've seen people healed of cancer. Come on, anybody bear witness. Amen. I've seen the gifts of the Spirit in operation in the church and in our life groups. God's power is alive and it is operating and we ought to be thankful for that. Amen. But as a church... We must continue in spiritual warfare through prayer, through fasting, through intercession for the lost, through evangelism of the lost. But we've also got to be conscious to be united as the people of God. Because if we really want to see a revival in our church and in our community, if we really want to be a 21st century Book of Acts church with a Holy Ghost experience, we've got to endeavor to be in a place of blessing which is being in one accord. You see, before the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they had to unite together. Acts 2 and 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. suddenly. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Here's what I know. Before you can experience the suddenly of God, we got to be in one accord. Amen? Amen. 
We got to be in unity with one another. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. I love the commentary from Adam Clark in his commentary. Let me just read to you what he said about Acts 2 and 1. He said, with one accord, this word is very expressive. It signifies that all their minds, affections, desires, and wishes were concentrated on one object. Every man buying the same end in view and having but one desire. They had but one prayer to God and every heart uttered it. There was no person uninterested, none unconcerned, none lukewarm. All were in earnest. And the Spirit of God came down to meet their united faith and prayer. And listen to this last sentence. I love it. He said, when any assembly of God's people meet in the same Spirit, they may expect every blessing they need. Hallelujah. When God's people come together with one mind and one accord, we can expect God's blessing because the scripture says that the Lord commanded his blessing to be there. That's what I'm talking about. Every heart uttering, no person uninterested, nobody unconcerned, nobody lukewarm, nobody not united together. I want to remind you, God wants to send his blessing greater than I believe that we've ever experienced. I believe God's got a special outpouring for these last days. More than just a great worship service. More than just an energized sermon. God wants to send the kind of revival that will find this entire city under a canopy of his glory. Come on, amen. Being in one accord. It can turn a dead church service into a mighty move of God. Amen. Being in one accord can turn an inward-focused church into an outward-focused church. Come on, somebody. Unity can turn a disconnected believer into a believer that is connected and finding their purpose. Why? Because there, in the place of unity, you find the commanded blessing of God. There's only one place in all the scripture where it says a blessing is commanded. Psalm 133 and verse 3. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Where? The place where God's people dwell in unity. I want to live in it. I want to worship in it. I want to fellowship in it. Come on. I want to be in that place of blessing, the commanded place of blessing. And if you want to truly put yourself in a position where God can bless you and what you are trying to do, then you need to get in step with the unity of God and unite with the body of Christ and unite with other believers for his purpose in these last days. Now hear me, unity is not the result of blessing. Unity is the catalyst of blessing. According to the scripture, amen. And when we pursue unity, we create a framework that is necessary for God to send his spirit. If we want to see Pentecost manifested like they saw it in the book of Acts. Come on, if we want to see people healed, and I believe people can be healed. Come on, church. I believe people can be set free. I believe addictions can be broken. I believe people can be set free from all kinds of things. Come on. Either the blood is real or it ain't real. We've got to be united around the purpose of Christ. Charles Spurgeon once preached the message that shook England when they desperately needed a spiritual jolt. And he closed the the message called Spiritual Awakening with this prayer. And I quote, he said, oh, God, send us the Holy Spirit. 
Give us both the breath of spiritual life and the fire of unconquerable zeal. Break down every barrier that hinders the uncoming of your might. Give us now both hearts of flames and tongues of fire to preach your word. And you will do this when what? We are all of one accord. When we are all together, all believing, all expecting, and all prepared by prayer. And that is still true today. That is the place of blessing. But how do we stay in one accord? Because how many of you know unity is easier said than done? Can I get a witness from anybody that's been in the church longer than 20 minutes? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on. We've seen it all, right? We've all seen or been involved in some kind of conflict or drama. It's not fun. You see it in your family. You see it at work. And guess what? You see it in church too. Amen. Amen. It happens. And it's my responsibility as pastor to lead our church in a united effort. Amen. And God can work through a lot of deficiencies in a church. But hear me. He will not work through discord. He will not work through disunity. So how do we stay in one accord? I'm going to give you a few very simple points. They're not profound, but they're all important. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Here's the first way to stay in a place of blessing. Be accepting of others. That's good. That's good. Come on now. That's good. Be accepting. Don't major on the minors. Don't insist that everybody agree on every minor detail. Some topics are disputable. Not everything is black and white in the church. There are some gray areas in the Bible and in Christianity. And Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 14, verse 1 through 23. Go home and read that chapter this week. But I just want to give you a couple, just a little, a little bit of stuff from there. He literally starts the book off by saying this in Romans 14, 1. Check it out on your screen. Here's what Paul said. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Now I'm trying to help us. We're talking about staying in unity, right? We're talking about staying in a place of blessing. And guess what they were arguing about? Food. Go home and read your Bible. They were arguing about food. How many of you know there's nothing new under the sun, right? (laughs) They were arguing about food. And then he went on to tell them they were arguing about holy days. What days they should celebrate and not celebrate. Folks, you think there's drama just in the church of today? Man, they had drama all the way back in the beginning. Why are we so quick to pull out our Thompson Chain Bible under one hand and our Strong's Concordance in the other and beat up people that don't believe exactly like we believe? Oh, I want to help somebody here today. Come on. Why are we so quick? Some of you that have been in the church for a minute. Why are we so quick to tear down new believers who might be struggling? New believers who may not have the same theology that you have. Maybe they weren't brought up in the same denomination that you were brought up in. Maybe they got a different paradigm. Maybe they got a different story. Maybe they've gone through hell on earth just to get where they are today. Be accepting of others. Does anybody expect a newborn to talk at one month? Does anybody expect a baby to walk at three months? 
Do you expect your three-year-old to get his high school diploma? Of course not. Then why do we expect so much from new Christians? Thank you. I'm trying to help us out here today. Amen. Come on. Then Paul goes on to say this in verse 10. Check this out. Romans 14, 10. So why do you condemn another believer? Oh, by the way, he's not talking about new believers now. Talking to church folks about other church folks. Why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, and I love this part, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. You remember that t-shirt that says, let God sort them out? Apparently that's biblical. (laughs) It said, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. The time, this time he's not just talking to new, about new believers. He's talking about believers in general. Stop looking down on others. Stop judging others. Yep. Maintain an attitude of acceptance. And he literally says God's going to take care of everything at the judgment seat. Yes, but you know what the problem is? Too many of, are setting, of us are sitting in daddy's chair. That's, right. That's, right. That's a good word. That is good word. Yes, sir. Some advice if you're sitting in daddy's chair you better get out of daddy's chair before he gets home amen <laughs> you better get out of his chair before he gets home it's not our place to judge it's not our place to judge amen aren't you glad we're not all alike amen god loves variety when some type of discord arises we need to quickly determine whether something is a disputable issue or an essential, a gray area or something black and white. And by the way, I ain't just talking about the church. This applies to your home life as well. This applies to your, your coworkers at work as well. If it's essential, deal with it. If it's not, learn to love people, learn to accept one another's differences. Amen. I've had four pastors in my life. First one, I was a little kid. It was my great-grandpa. I didn't even know what a pastor was. Second one was my grandfather when I was uh, maybe 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. Third one, when I was uh, an early teenager, uh, had a third pastor. And then I had a fourth pastor as a young adult. Guess what? Every one of those guys was different. And I'm not the same as any of them. <laughs> so out of the five of us, why am I the only one that's right? No, that's a joke, by the way. <laughs> My point is, they all had different house rules. They all had different things that, that pushed their buttons. They all had different things that they felt like were really important and other stuff that they thought, you know what, I ain't worried about that. It's because God made everybody different. Yes, he, he made all of us different. We've got to be acceptab- accepting of other people's differences, and it's critical, and it's also the mark of a mature believer. One of the quickest things that will destroy unity is people trying to make everybody else think and live the way that they do. And can I just tell you, churches, we're we're good at that. We're really good at that. Not everybody is going to live at the level that you think they should. Not everybody is going to have the same convictions that you do. Amen? You need to accept that and not let that be a stumbling block for you. Can the church give me a good old gratuitous amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'll take a Baptist nod at this point. Amen. A Methodist wave. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Amen. Proverbs 6 tells us that 
One of the things that are an abomination to God is somebody who sows discord. Oh, we'll wave our signs on all the other stuff we think is an abomination. What about this one who sows discord? Bible said God hates it. He puts it in the same category as murderers and liars. And let me tell you what else unity means. Unity does not mean uniformity. Amen. Not everybody's going to measure up to your expectation. Amen. And guess what? You're not measuring up to everybody else's either. That's okay. You don't even have to agree with every single thing in this church to be a member of this church. I tell people all the time, I'm the pastor and I don't even like everything that happens around here. That's just how it works. We're all different people. You don't get to sow discord, though, over your own personal preferences. People have left this church because we're too conservative. Others have left because we're too liberal. Some folks thought we took COVID too seriously. Others told me that we didn't take it seriously enough. I'm going to tell you, any pastor that survived COVID and still came out alive, God bless him. Amen. 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 Some people think I'm too political. Other people think I'm not political enough. And let me just assure you, I'm way more political than you see in this pulpit. Some people say the music is too loud. Others say it's not loud enough. Some people say I preach too long. Some people say I don't preach long enough. Some people love the way we take up the offering. Some people don't like the way we take up the offering. Now, here's my question. How does this happen? I Think about this logically for a minute. How do we all sit in the same environment... Literally the same church service and walk out with totally different conclusions and totally different assumptions. It's easy, folks. We're all different. We were raised different ways. We come from different church backgrounds. Some of us, we're in a different season of life. Old people don't like the same stuff young people like. Young people don't like the same stuff old people like. Some of us were raised with different genres of music. It's okay to be different. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, I always knew you were different. (laughs) Always knew you were different. Amen. I love you anyway. Amen. Folks, I'm just trying to help some people right now. It's not okay to impose our personal convictions or personal views on others. That is not the place of blessing. That's the place of discord. We're all allowed to have different views on different things. Here's what we need to do. Strive for unity in the essentials and for freedom in the non-essentials. That's good. That's good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. There are some things that we need to be willing to plant our flag and die on. Amen. There are some things that are non-negotiable, and you can like it or you can lump it, but that's where we stand, amen? But then there's other things where we need to say, you know what? You do you, and I'll do me, and when we get to heaven, there's going to be daddy sitting in the chair, and he's going to decide who did it right. And you know what? You might be really surprised when you get to heaven to see a whole bunch of folks there that you thought weren't going to be there. (laughs) Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Strive for unity in the essentials and for freedom in the non-essentials. Are you saying we need to accept sin? Of course not. And if you stick around here long enough, I will preach on your favorite sin. Amen. But do you realize that even sin in the life of someone else, I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings right now, but it's really none of your business. 
unless, unless it directly affects you and your family in a negative way, or number two, you are in community with that person and you love them enough that you're trying to disciple them to be more like Jesus. Amen. That means if I don't know you and we don't have a relationship, it's not my right to get up in your face and get up in your business. Oh. And what you call sin, the Bible may not call sin. And what you think is okay, the Bible may not think it's okay. So we got to let our guidance come from the Word of God and from the Spirit of God. Maintain an attitude of acceptance and it will help us to be in the place of blessing. Here's the second thing we need to do to be in the place of blessing. Focus on our purpose. We are so easily distracted. Squirrel. <laughs> Issue. Politics. Race. Trump. Biden. Democrat, Republican, Independent. <laughs> We're so easily distracted. Focus on our purpose. Hallelujah. Come on, what unites the church more than anything else is a common purpose. Amen. That's why we encourage people to take the growth track, find out what this church is all about. That's why we want you to join a small group and understand that we believe every Christian has a personal responsibility to share the gospel and to help build up other believers. Amen. We disciple people in our small groups. We are about spreading the gospel. We are about helping people find freedom in Jesus. Amen. We're about helping addicts be set free. We're about helping the depressed people come to another level where they can breathe, where they can smile, where they can see the sunshine and get in their life. We're about helping people that don't know Jesus know Jesus. And yet we get so distracted. All these peripheral things. Thank you, sir. We get so distracted. I know it might sound simple. But we want everybody to get saved and be productive for the kingdom. And that's our common purpose. Let me give you another way to stay in the place of blessing. And I'm almost done. Build up. Don't tear down. Amen. I could teach an entire lesson on this subject alone. I could teach an entire lesson on the power of the tongue. But when it comes to unity... What we say, everybody say what I say, say. is a powerful force for good or evil. Ephesians 4, again, not from me. Let's take it right from the apostle, Paul himself. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Amen. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I mean, Paul just cut right to the quick. But only, here's what you should say, what is helpful for building up others, don't miss this, according to your personal needs. Oh, we're real good about helping people when we've got an agenda. We're real good about helping people if it serves our interests. We're real good about helping people if it will advance our cause. The scripture said, 
build others up according to their needs. That means if I don't get nothing out of it, if I don't benefit from it, come on, if they never drop a little white envelope and a black box in the back, if they never sign up to join my team or to support my kids, help other people according to their needs that it might benefit those who listen. And then verse 30, he goes on and gets, he raises it another notch. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then just to make sure he covered it all, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. And in just case I forgot every form of malice. Whatever I didn't think of, let me just throw to every single form of mouth. Just get rid of it all. Don't tear down, build up. Amen. Come on. Don't tear down your spouse if you're married. Build them up. Come on. Don't tear down your kids. You're supposed to be their number one fan. Build them up. Don't tear down your church. Build it up. Amen. If you like something in your church, shout about it. If you don't like something, pray about it or talk to somebody about it. But don't tear down, build up. Don't tear down other believers. Don't tear down other churches. Don't tear down sinners. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, that would be you. That would be me. Amen. Unwholesome talk. Like gossip. See, gossip is when you're sharing a problem. It can be true or untrue with someone who's neither part of the problem or part of the solution. I just need to share this with you so you can pray about it. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not going to tell anybody except five of my closest friends. (laughs) Unwholesome talk. Anything, that's what Paul said. Anything that doesn't build others up. Now, folks, if you're being honest, and I got to be honest, this is a hard discipline. It's hard. When I get mad or when I'm upset, I'm real quick with the tongue. If somebody does something and they really, really irritate me, I might say something bad. Not bad, bad, but something bad about what they did. Anybody else honest enough to raise your hand in the house? You know what the scripture says? We got to work on that we got to develop the fruit of the Spirit in our life. That's how we stay united. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4 and 2. How do we do this? How do you do this? Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowances for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. (laughs) I love this verse. I'm still trying to be like this. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient. Make allowances for each other's fault. That means space. Because of your love. And then verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit. Do you know why I think Paul said make every effort? Because unity never happens accidentally. Unity does not happen just by going with the flow. Unity requires work. Unity requires patience. It requires humility. It requires gentleness. It requires making allowance for other people's mistakes. It means sometimes saying I'm sorry and sometimes saying I forgive you. 
It means sometimes saying, welcome in, or sometimes it means, you know what, I'm going to have to build a little barrier here. i got to build a little boundary just to keep myself safe, but I still love you anyway. You see, unity doesn't mean we have to accept everything that people do, do, but we still have to love people right where they are. The devil has been trying to destroy the body of Christ ever since the New Testament. Come on. He has used confusion and backbiting and division and murmuring and pain. And in Romans 14, food. (laughs) Holy days. See, folks, hear me. Church hurt ain't nothing new. Work hurt ain't nothing new. Family hurt, it ain't nothing new. Amen. It's just people hurting people because that's what people do. And it's been happening ever since the beginning of time. And it's been happening in the church ever since the book of Acts. But hear me, discord and disunity are never the plan of God. Instead of concentrating on what divides us, we need to focus on what unites us. I'm out of time. Praise team, come on up. What did Paul say we should focus on in Ephesians 4? One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen. The Holy Spirit will help us. But we have to be willing to do our part to keep the unity of the Spirit. God has opened up the windows of heaven on this church. But can I tell you, and I'm saying this prophetically, we have only begun to scratch the surface. Come on, of what God is getting ready to do. Amen. Does anybody else believe that in this house? Come on. It's been said that united we stand, but divided we fall. And today I think we need to serve all of hell notice. United we stand and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Amen. Some of you are old timers. Some of you have been believers for a long time. Some of you might be newcomers. Some of you might have received your spiritual birth at Life Church. Some of you might have received it at other places. We need to just remove all those labels and all that stuff and just become one body. One body of believers. Why don't you stand with me right now? I think it's time to just roll up our sleeves and dig in and become a part of the church for the last day's move that God wants to do. Buy into the vision. Endeavor to keep the unity. And remember, I said it, unity does not mean uniformity. And in the early church of Acts, they lived it, they walked it, they talked it, and they worked it out. Read read the book of Acts. Man, there was all kinds of conflict. All kinds of stuff they had to work through. But that was not the focus. The focus was what they were united about. And the church exploded. Because they remembered that the main thing was the main thing. And for us to truly be like the early church, we've got to be united like the early church. So now today, I'm not going to give a traditional altar call. We always invite people forward. And if you want to come forward to pray, we'll, we'll definitely still pray with you. But I think right now, standing together, and I want to do this because we're kind of all one body, all kind of packed together right now. I want us to pray. And in the words of Charles Spurgeon, I want us to pray that we are all of one accord, all believing, all expecting, and all prepared by prayer. An axiom that an old teacher taught me once years ago that I'll never forget. It was, if it is to be, it is up to me. 
you're waiting for things to get better on your job, maybe if it is to be, it's up to you. If you want things to get better at home, maybe if it is to be, it is up to you. If you want things to get better in your church or in the ministry or whatever, it might be that you just need to say, you know what? Man, instead of instead of focusing on the things that we don't agree on, I'm going to focus on the stuff that we agree on. And I'm going to get to know you and I'm going to get to love you. And we're going to bind together so we can be in a place of blessing. And how many of you know that when blessings are being poured out, all the other stuff begins to take second and third and fourth and fifth place. We want to be in a place of blessing. I'm going to pray over us. And then Pastor Rodney's going to come. But I want you to lift your hands with me right now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. I want to thank you for these believers that are gathered here today and those that are watching online. Lord, I know that our country is a mess. Our community is a mess. God, I know sometimes even our churches, we can have messy stuff going on. Help us, God, to focus on the purpose that you've planted us here for. Help us to join together. Help us not to major on the minors. Help us to give grace where grace can be given. Help us to give freedom in the non-essentials. Help us to be united, God, on the things that are important. But help us, God, to be in a place of blessing so that you can move freely among us. Help this to be a church where everyone feels welcome, where everyone has room to grow, where everyone has time to change. God, we're not here to judge others, but we're here to love others into your kingdom. Help us to become that church. Help us to be a place of blessing. Why don't we give God a praise right now in this house. Amen.